let's just think about this for Americans, because I'm an American and I think about this. How do we make Americans understand this? So, okay, America, you guys illegally invaded Iraq. We illegally invaded Iraq. Oh, we have this terrible place called Guantanamo Bay where people are still held with no legal accountability. Does that mean we should hate, you know, America? No, you know, like America is still a cool place to go and Americans are actually pretty cool people. Mm -hmm. So like, if you know something that you don't like about another nation somewhere else in this world, it doesn't mean that that thing you know, that, like Alex pointed out, is what that place is. It's just one. That's all that place is about. Nothing else. Right. Yeah. Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason Smith, and today with me is Alex Schur. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe. Hi, everybody. This is Alex. While a new survey shows increase in anti-Asian hate discrimination, there have been some small victories in the battle against anti-Asian hate in America. The AAPI mm. announced it has raised a billion dollars for Asia, a billion with a B, for Asian business initiatives. Discriminatory bill in Texas aimed at making it illegal for Chinese people to buy homes has been defeated. And after being wrongfully accused of spying, Professor Xiaoxing Shi wins an appeal to sue the government and the FBI. Let's talk about the latest in America's struggle with anti-Asian hate and violence. I'm glad things are kind of picking with all of these bills that are being discussed in the House and the Senate. People are starting to fight back. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It looks like when you look at America right now, there's actually we're getting a lot of pushback, which is the first time in a couple of years that people are standing up and saying, whoa, this the whole China bad thing mm. has gone too far. Because first you have Tim Cook, who came to China a few weeks ago and people were like, mm. oh, yeah. And then Elon Musk came. <laughs> yeah. Then Elon Musk, everyone's favorite genius, mm -hmm. came to China and did a tour around. And it seemed like people started to think a little bit differently after that. You know, I read Yesterday, there are, and this is, was pointed out by the new Chinese ambassador to the United States, there are 70,000 U.S. businesses doing business mm. in and with China. And more than 1 million U.S. jobs are created as a consequence of doing business with China. So I think a lot of people are getting the idea, finally, mm. that the whole China bad narrative is played out. And there's a lot of pushback on the old pundits who have been pushing the hate game. That has been a long-running agenda and it's hard to correct. Yeah. So we're just offering a little bit of information and trying to put things in the spotlight and hopefully that gives you a different idea of how everything is going. Well, I mean, for people who are really interested in this, I would recommend following Cyrus Jansen on YouTube or on Twitter. Mm. He is a voice of reason about, hey, you know, mm. I'm American, you're Chinese, let's do business. But, you know, basically that's his whole thing. We should just get along because it's in both of our best interests to get along and to do business. And I think that, you know, you and I have yeah. done a lot of connecting the dots in previous shows. This is our, <laughs> I don't know, sixth show on anti-Asian hate or something like that. And we've really, a lot of the anti-Asian hate is a direct consequence of certain pundits in the United States talking smack about China and the media. So if we can have leaders 
held to account about their comments and really look at China as a peer, the violence towards Asians of all kinds of backgrounds might begin to dissipate. I look at this as how human beings treat each other. Like, mm. if I know someone who's a friend, doesn't mean that I don't see any of their shortcomings. Mm -hmm. Okay, just because I like to hang out with them, I think they're a good person, doesn't mean they're doing everything correct. And that's not what people are asking people outside of China to do, like, Every country has its ups and downs and, and things you like and don't like. That's fine. But you can't see one negative thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then just label that country with that only thing you know about it. Right. Let's just think about this for Americans, because I'm an American and I think about this. How do we make Americans understand this? So, OK, America, you guys illegally invaded Iraq. We illegally invaded Iraq. Oh, we have this terrible place called Guantanamo Bay where people are still held with no legal accountability. Does that mean we should hate, you know, America? No. You know, like America is still a cool place to go. And Americans are actually pretty cool people. Mm -hmm. So like. If you know something that you don't like about another nation somewhere else in this world, it doesn't mean that that thing you know, that, like Alex pointed out, is what that place is. It's just one. That's all that place is about. Nothing else. Right. Yeah. So let's get to this first article because a billion dollars is a lot of money. And I, I'm kind of wishing I was an Asian business in America right now, but I'm I'm neither a business. I know. <laughs> like, I wish that was my money. Yeah, I'm not Asian and I'm not in America and I don't own a business. So all these things don't apply to me. <laughs> so don't give me your money. This is from Brian Chung. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. C-H-E-U-N-G. Mm. It's from originally posted on NBC News, but I read it on Yahoo News. Stop. Asian hate drove a funding surge for AAPI startups and nonprofits. What comes next? So this is the Asian American and Pacific Islanders, Islanders. Uh, organization, which started in San Francisco. They have raised billion dollars. A lot of that was originally to help tide over Asian owned businesses during the COVID pandemic to ensure that the mm. everyone's favorite restaurants were still there when the pandemic ended. Yeah. And it's good to have an organization that speaks on your behalf and organize things to fire back when it's needed. Launched in uh, 2021, it has now a billion dollars in commitments and they are going to help support partners that have contributed are Amazon, Nike mm. and foundations such as Chan Zuckerberg. I believe that's uh, the Mrs. Zuckerberg of Meta. OK, so among the more than 100 grantees, those are people who have received foundation funds are Asian Americans Advancing Justice, Asian American Education Project and the Center for Asian American media. That sounds fantastic. That sounds like they're probably doing a lot of good in America. They're tackling the root of the problem. <laughs> I would actually, if you don't have money, just go and find these organizations and support them with your social media, with your voice, by participating in their activities. Find these organizations yeah. and support them just as people. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's also a lot of volunteer opportunities that you could partake yeah. and contribute to the cause. I know. I think it's just good because if there are more Asians voicing themselves and they have more support, then we're going to have a population that is, becomes more educated about the nuance of, you know, for example, where China is, because I, I honestly, as stupid as that sounds, there are people in America who don't know. Oh, I'm pretty sure more than half of Americans probably don't know. Yeah. Is Korea a city in China? No, it is not. So like, you know, there's a lot of just ignorance among general Americans. So when they go on the 24 hour news at night and learn something China bad, then they're just like, oh, I hate I don't like them Asian people, which is really terrible. Oh, yeah. 
listening to the bridge. Okay, leadership education president and CEO Linda Akutagawa, I guess that's Japanese, says it, it comes in and goes out or it stops. So it's a cyclical nature of their funding. So, mm. you know, we also like to encourage the people who have money like Nike to con- keep giving. If they will, part of the corporate social responsibility as well. Well, unfortunately, the reality is that there is still an uptick in crimes targeting Asian Americans. So despite all of the efforts, um, mm. it's getting worse rather than better. I mean, I think it's good that things are getting more attention. Everybody else is seeing it for people who didn't believe this was a problem for Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, you know, all of these uh, minority groups. They're seeing it now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like seeing it on media shouldn't be replaced as this is just happening right now. I think this is a long running problem. I mean, it's been in American society for the longest time. And I've, I think we've had the same conversation on this show as well. And then a lot of people are being really disheartened and saying, oh, my God, I can't believe this is how Asian people are being treated in America. But on it, quite honestly, I think... It happens a lot. It probably was happening a lot more often. And it's great for people who didn't have connections with the Asian community before to see that, okay, this is what's happening to them. You know, it's horrible and it's definitely senseless, especially with those physical attacks. But this is a good opportunity to reach out or connect with different communities and to make sure that the Asian community is not there as a threat any of these ridiculous allegations that are being made against the Asian community, this is a good chance to kind of let people know this is who we are instead of what you picture us to be. But I also don't want people to feel like this is just happening in the past three years because there's more exposure to it. It's been around and it's the same problem for the African-American community and other ethnic minority groups in America. So uh, seeing it is okay, but I don't want people to like repeatedly sharing, repeatedly just talking about it without going forward with any solutions, uh, which is a great, I think is a great chance, is a great timing that we're talking about all of these ways people are kind of fighting back or advocating for themselves. Because we're and there's one thing that's called solutions journalism, which is like you're not just reporting and revealing the quote unquote ugly facts of life and society. You're also pointing people to possible solutions that are more constructive. I want to say, you know, about being an ally, because I am a white middle-aged guy. This is something that comes up in my own thinking a lot. So I spend a lot of time on this website called Everyday Feminism, and they talk about cross-sectional politics and being an ally. And if you are, because, you know, there are a ton of white people in America, if you are a white guy or a white woman and you want to support the Asian community when they have protests or movements in the street, go. Don't be afraid that because you're not Asian that you're not welcome. But this is the thing to keep in mind that I learned from this website is that you're not there to give orders and take control. You're there to follow what they're doing and to be supportive of what their movement is doing and to support them in the way that they ask you to support their movement. Also, when you want to support as an ally, know that you're an ally and (laughs) don't make it about yourself. Right. Yeah, sure. Absolutely right. You know, don't don't try to be not try to understand the sentiment. But, you know, these people that are protesting. Right. They're living this reality or their their families living this reality. Give them the chance to express their feelings and stuff. And don't go just be like, I support them. And I don't understand why you would do this because I've seen that happen. It's kind of like, okay. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. so this is the next thing that is a bit of a positive. This is from originally NBC News again, but it's on Yahoo that I read it. Bill 
that set out to restrict Chinese property ownership dies in Texas House. So this is the best news that I read about this topic in quite some time. Came out on May 25th, 2023. There's a similar bill in Florida, and it's probably going to die, too. I love the use of words. <laughs> I, love that. I love how this person said it has died in Texas. There, as you can see from the picture, there was an, an Asian-American rally where they carried a giant sign, American flags, and everyone had signs that say, no SB 147. And no SB 552. Presumably those are the names of the bills. SB also can mean something else, by the way. Yeah. Um, interesting choice of lettering. I know. But um, they had a huge rally and people who are not Asian also showed up to support them by being there in numbers and carrying flags and just yeah. physically being present to support a larger crowd. So that's another way to be an ally for people who are not Asian. Mm. But it also shows that the communities in Texas were like, no, we are not going to tolerate this. This is discriminatory. And I do want to talk about something else. And I want to ask you your opinion, Alex. California is passing a law that makes it more difficult for foreign nationals, not Chinese foreign nationals, mm -hmm. all foreign nationals to buy property in California. This is a different kind of law. So the law that was proposed in Texas and the law that was proposed in Florida, okay. uh, both of which one is dead and one is dying, are targeting people of specific national background. So it's discrimination based on national origin. <laughs> but the one in California targets everyone. Mm. What do you think about that? Oh, I have to be very careful around this topic, I think. <laughs> I do understand. I wouldn't say I agree or support or oppose. I do understand regulations or even laws being put mm, 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 mm. on not necessarily against, but restrictions are put on foreign ownership of property in a country within a government's regime because there is, it's just the same thing as not, you can't just go to another country and open a business. Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. criteria you have to meet. There are paperwork that you have to go through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I understand if you're putting restrictions right. or making it just more difficult or there should be more the supervision on foreign ownership in general, right? But it's different when you're like, okay, you're not a foreigner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're not even just a permanent resident. Mm -hmm. You're someone who holds an American passport, but because you're naturalized, yeah. you're not born to be American, you know, the first day you're in this world. Mm. And you went through all of this process and waited all this time, and you became an American passport holder, but because of where you came from, because of basically your race, your original nationality, you are being excluded from having the normal rights that an American citizen is supposed to have, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. The bill in California is looks, I don't know, I haven't read it, so I may be wrong, but the articles I read about it were that it was just going to make it difficult for all foreign nationals, people who were not American citizens, to buy land in the state of California. Which I think is, at least it's not targeting people of specific mm. national origins. You know, and we talked about this before. Most of the people buy land in America are like Canadian in the United States. So, oh, yeah, Chinese people are like the 20th on the list of people from other nations who are buying land in the United States. There is this idea of people who are promoting anti-Asian hate and anti-Chinese sentiment in the United States that the Chinese is going in and buying up all the land. It's not true at all. Like, not even remotely. Like, Chinese people, people of Chinese national origin, people who are non-passport holding Chinese are not buying up all the land in the United States at all. It's a statistical anomaly that's very, very small, actually. Oh, yeah. 
listening to the bridge. I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about something Gavin Newsom said. I'm not supporting any political party or whatever. This is just something he said. Mm. He mentioned a couple of weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, that California is going to work closely with China mm. to build out its solar industry and its solar deployment to ensure that California is carbon neutral by 2045. I thought this was fantastic. This is a very big state. Mm. It's the sixth largest economy in the world, California. California is bigger than pretty much the rest of the United States combined in terms of its economy. Mm. And California is going to cooperate closely. The reality is this comes from a research institution called Mm. McKinsey Wood, who does statistical analysis. They showed that Chinese solar and Chinese wind products, some of the products they offer are the most affordable in the world. Mm. So if you want to buy solar panels from any country on earth, if you buy them from China, they're the most affordable. So if you want to make a small country or even a large country solar, you know, completely independent of fossil fuels, cooperating with China is the most efficient way to accomplish that task. Absolutely. And then we had an episode previously about the whole China solar power plan. Mm -mm. The whole solar power industry actually is one of the most important projects that the government is trying to build up because it is the future. It is clean energy. Mm -hmm. And if we could have technological breakthrough on the conversion rate Mm -hmm. to solar panels, it actually does so much more good for the entire world, really, regardless of any of political differences or ideological differences. So, I mean, if we can get any percent of the world to emit less fossil fuels, that doesn't help them. Mm. It helps every living thing on the earth. Yeah, exactly. So it it helps your dog. I mean, really. So like um, if we want to change the tide and move things away from becoming worse and worse and towards just being only as bad as it is now, because I don't know how we're going to get it all, all of this fossil, these fossil fuels out of the atmosphere. I'm certainly a lot of people working on it, but certainly we don't want to make it any worse than it already is. That is going to mean tons and tons of renewable energy. And China is the best provider for that. And that yeah. California is looking to cooperate with China and building out its solar power generating capacity is fantastic and certainly not just welcome for China and California, but every person on this planet Mm. owes a debt of gratitude for these two entities in working together to further the goal of emitting less fossil fuels. Exactly. And China is already working very close with Germany on different type of scientific studies and experiments on this type of technology. And if we could work with California as well, this is combining everybody's resources and pushing the world to becoming a better place. Next article. This is from NBC originally, and it's on Yahoo where I read it. Okay, you know, Yahoo's just... Yahoo. You guys need to get some other sources, Yahoo. Sorry, I'm just, I'm kidding. I love you. Okay. <laughs> uh, after being wrongfully accused of spying for China, Professor Wen's appeal to sue government. So I think a lot of people followed this case. Mm. This guy was basically had his entire career destroyed by the FBI, claiming falsely that he was some kind of spy when he's just an Asian American. Mm. His name is Xiaoxing Shi. He was a professor at Temple University. And now he basically asked the court, please allow me to sue the FBI. Eventually, the court said, yeah, okay, you can sue the FBI. So this is going to move forward. And this man is going to seek justice Mm. by trying to expose 
the reasons because the FBI refuses to release the reasons he was targeted. So he's not really trying to win money. Yeah. This professor's goal is to expose why did the FBI do this in the first place? Yeah. What were the grounds upon which this witch hunt began so that he can help prevent this from happening yeah. to other Asian Americans? You know, this probably didn't cause too much attention because, like we said, a lot of people are like, oh, Chinese people are, there are so many of us and Chinese people are really more practical and they care more about things that are also pragmatic for them. So this didn't stir a huge online debate, but I don't know if you heard about mm. this younger gentleman who actually is someone that my coworker's friends, his company sends him to the United States mm -hmm. multiple times every year and he stays there for a long time. That's just part of his job. Mm -hmm. And earlier this year, he didn't think too much about stuff. He was like, oh, maybe I can just, he saw like a flight ticket that's cheaper. So just like, let me then just take this ticket and go into the States from a different city. He used to fly always to LAX or sometimes he flies to New York and stuff. But this time he was like, let me fly to a different state. So he flew to a state. I don't want to make it sound like it's being, you know, what state's being targeted, but it's a state that probably is not as international or not as uh, flexible or open-minded as the two aforementioned states. He got there. He said, I even had a, a nice chat with the guy, the gentleman at the custom. Sure. But then after he asked me questions, he sent me to his co-worker and they took me to what we call Little Dark Room, which is not really mm -hmm. dark. It's for customs, for immigration to interview people. Here's the thing. So it's for immigration to interview people who have suspicions of either illegally entering or there's something that's involved or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So he has no idea what's going on. So he just, he goes in there and he sits and wait. What? And after four hours of asking him about everything... Yeah. About his family background and everything. And of course, he didn't hold anything back because he has nothing to hide. Right. He's not there for anything suspicious or anything shady. He's there for work. Mm -hmm. At the end of the four hours, they said, OK, we have decided that. So basically, the reason they pulled him into that little room was because he has the same name with a, a scientist that's on their list. Mm -hmm. That's suspicious of spying. And so he was very confused. He said, okay, so you have the name. Do you not have the photo? Like, do I also look like him? Yeah. Of course, he didn't ask that because the more ridiculous thing that comes after that was after they gave him back the little envelope with all of his ID, his documents, they said, okay, you can't enter America. You have to go back to China. Oh. Yeah. And so he had to immediately leave, right? But he said, I had no experience of how to handle situations or what's supposed to happen. Right. So he just took the yellow envelope and then he didn't realize there was no flight ticket attached to the yellow envelope. Long story short, he tried to go to the, the gate and stuff. What? And because he's being kicked out of America and there's no flight ticket and he has no... He basically got stranded in a situation where he's staying in America, like on American land in the airport illegally. So immigration services had to come and take him away and put him in jail as he waits for his flight tickets and everything else to clear out. So again, long story short, he spent four days in prison. And then two of the days he actually went into the solitary confinement because he was like, is it possible that I can have my own room because I'm not here because I made a... Uh, I committed a crime. And so they're like, yeah, sure, we can give you your own room and then to put him in solitary oh my um, confinement. And so it was a crazy experience for him. And the whole thing started with them thinking that this is the same person that's on the list. And then look, if we look at Professor Xiaoqing's experience, it could have be a farce to begin with. And it's a couple people's life that's just being going through really unnecessary treatment like this. Wow.
That is crazy. So did journalists pick up on his story? I don't think people really did, but he documented everything. And I'm sure that it's not isolated. You know, this is probably not one person who's experienced this. We need to document yeah. all of these experiences so that people can understand what human beings are going through as a consequence of this McCarthyist scare in the United States right now. Exactly. This is exactly what this professor is trying to do as expose the FBI, why they did this to him so that he can prevent this from happening. You're talking about another form of discrimination that is associated with the same problem. Mm. We need to also document and publicize that as well. Everyone should know what is happening to people in this situation so that we can begin to address it and stop it and get the U.S. authorities and the bureaucrats to prevent these things from happening. I'm glad that this guy is suing the FBI. Mm. I wish him, this professor, the greatest amount of success so that we can reduce this these kinds of fraudulent yeah. charges that are being trumped up against Americans. So I guess he's being represented by the American Civil Liberties Unions. That's great because they have fantastic lawyers. Because getting the kind of lawyer that you need to have for a case like this is going to be really challenging. Did your friend ever go attempt to go back to America? Oh, the person that I was talking about? Yeah. He's banned from entering America, I think, for the next five years or something. I don't think... Because he has a name. He has a, the same name. That sounds like someone else's name. Yeah. And then I don't know. I mean, I read this last month. I don't know if the fact that he was imprisoned leaves a record on his... Uh, oh, my. Yeah, on his file. And it's very ridiculous. And he's for him, because he's been going to America for, I think, like five, six years for as long as he's been working for this company. He doesn't even think about this possibility. He didn't even think about this could happen to him. And so when this all of this happened, he was like, it's not even anger. I'm just like, how? I don't understand. Wow. It's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's kind of funny to me. So he's like, okay, now I have to tell my company. My company will basically have to restation me to other countries because I can't go to America. But he's like, I don't know. Is this going to affect me getting visas from other countries? Well, it's not his fault. So yeah, I know, but the company is going to be like, we needed this person to be in a station in America and suddenly he's not able to be. That might affect his entire career. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know. I felt like personally knocking on wood, but if this ever happened to me, I would probably not return to that country as well. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either. Honestly, I would. You'll be too traumatic from that experience. I, I would be like, I don't want to have that experience again. I don't feel like going to jail for four days and being put in solitary confinement because I have someone's name. My God, I can't believe it. Yeah. My goodness. And just, yeah. Oh, man, that makes me grind my teeth, which is not healthy. And my teeth are kind of coming apart because of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Okay, so I want to read some statistics because this really frustrates me. Okay, firstly, for my American friends who are listening, this is bad for America, not just because it's bad for the Asian community. That's It's been definitely bad for the Asian community, but this is just bad for the entity that is America. The number one foreign students who come to the United States and invest in university degrees in the United States and attempt to be scientists 
in the United States are Chinese folks, oh. folks from China, because the United States does not produce enough qualified people to fill STEM roles at university. So if Chinese people become afraid of coming to the United States to study, that means that the United States will not have the next generation of scientists necessary to keep the American innovative engine going. Mm. This is a statistic that I have. It's from New Oriental Education and Technology Group survey. And this is Chinese American students where they want to study abroad. Mm. And from 2015, it was 50% of people who were studying abroad who were Chinese wanted to study in the United States, which went down to in 2022 mm. to only 30% of those who wanted to study abroad were considering going to America. So we're losing talent. We're losing mm. the talent pool. The United States is losing the STEM game. And right now, China is basically winning at every STEM, every field of science. AI, China has more patents. Green renewable energy technology in 2020, there were 12,900 patents in China mm. and less than 1,000 in the United States. China is going to be the future of science and technology. And if we Americans are not buddies with China, that means we get left mm. behind. And I think about this. I studied history, modern history. I have a master's degree in history. History. When the British Empire was falling and they knew it, they said, oh, OK, we're not going to be it, whatever it is. You know, our zenith is, is come and gone. They looked at the United States and said, hey, you guys are it. Mm. Let's be friends. And America was like, cool, you can be my friend. And the United States and Britain were friends. Yeah. Hey, United States, your zenith, it's going. That's clear. The statistics are there. China is going to be the new zenith. It's going to be a multipolar world. If the United States wants to say technologically, innovatively relevant, it should be trying to be friends with China. The United States is making a strategic mistake by not befriending Asian countries like Singapore. Oh, wow. And South Korea is even becoming a target of, of U.S. propaganda lately, too. And China as well. So this is very frustrating for me as an American, I'm watching my country fall apart because of its discrimination. Discrimination is destroying America. It is. It's very dividing. And then it basically splits causes. It, it kind of destroys causes that everyone should be fighting together. And because a certain group is being targeted and being mistreated, they have to prioritize their own survival rights. And in return, you know, it's more fights, it's more arguments. And it's kind of diluting the force that a society is supposed to have to push ahead. You know, I'm a, I spend a lot of time on social media and I am very active on social media. And some of the things that I hear on social media that are ignorant statements, it's not isolated instance because I go out and I pursue these a lot. I see uh, there are a lot of comments like America and China are at war. No, we are not. Where did you hear that? That is not correct. And <laughs> these are not just one yeah. person saying that. There are a lot of people saying that. And there are influencers who are saying that, who are making people think that there is some sort of conflict going on. No, there is not. We are peers. We are trade partners. United States and China are trade partners. People need to, influencers need to be held to account for the things that they are saying on social media. And I think it's a little frustrating that the people who are in charge of these organizations, I understand yeah. the love of the freedom of speech and letting people say whatever they want. I get it. I get it. There's power and everyone being able to express their ideas and opinion. Those opinions are spreading hate and disinformation. We need to look at how to make 
the misinformation and disinformation that's out there more clear. Some of the ideas that are being expressed, they're not innovative ideas helping the conversation. They are spreading hate and they are spreading lies. Exactly. And then, yes, of course, everybody has the right to say whatever they want. But when you have influence, when you have strong impacts with everything you're saying, then should you be just allowed to say whatever you want at that point. I mean, I'm not trying to make things sound crazy, but think about some of the most impactful historic events. It's the person with the huge impact, a great followership saying things and they followed and look where that got us. Yeah, it's very frustrating and difficult. It's very challenging. Uh, the solutions you were talking about in a recent episode, solution oriented journalism. So if I guess if, if we are any kind of form of participation in media, and I guess we are, then I would say come to China. I would say make Chinese friends. I would say learn about Asia. It doesn't have to be China. If you're fascinated with Japan, fine. If you're fascinated in Korea, fine. For Americans, I have to say, for many Americans who don't know, you know, what the difference is, which is true, a lot of the time, a lot more than people think, learning about Asia at all would be very useful. Come over here, hang out, spend some time, make some friends, learn about the culture, just enjoy the food. That's okay too, you know, like just going onto social media and you're going to get a lot of just crazy ideas out there, you know, competing with real ideas. And it gets difficult for people, I understand, to tell the difference yeah. between, you know, people are well-meaning. This is what I see when I see, you know, 24-hour media. Americans like my family, they are well-meaning. Most Americans, 90% of Americans, they want to believe in a cause. They want to feel that they're fighting for the cause. The problem is 24-hour media don't give, they're not, 24-hour mm. media is not seeking to teach and inform and contextualize. It's seeking to sell a narrative about a particular angle and move on and then it's commercial time, right? So when well-meaning Americans turn on their 24-hour news, mm. they feel like they are doing their civic duty by learning about what's going on. Yeah. And those, a lot of reporters in 24-hour media are not teaching. They're not informing. They already know the nuance of the argument oftentimes. Yeah. But they're presenting it in such a way that the People listening are not becoming educated about what they are learning about or what they're trying to learn about. They're just teaching them this happened and this is the, one of the consequences. And so people get a very warped idea about what is going on in the world. And they don't understand the larger context and why that's there and all of the other things that might refute that particular narrative. Yeah. And so well-meaning Americans, these huge 90 percent of very hardworking, blue collar, regular Americans are watching watching 24-hour media, yeah. trying to do the right thing and oftentimes ending up on the wrong side of red lines. And that's very frustrating watching that happen to mm. well-meaning people, well-meaning people who want to do the right thing, but are being guided by forces that are yeah. interested in selling Pepsi, honestly. Exactly. That's true. But here's another thing. This is why we're saying you should come to China because some people would say, OK, I can read about China on social media. I can read about China on the Internet. But again, just because there are people who speak English doesn't mean they're offering the most thorough understanding of what China is. It, you know, people speak from their perspective. Yeah. People speak from their truth about an occurrence and experience. Mm. That's not necessarily how you would feel about it. So reading on social media is not enough. And actually only reading on social media is exactly hmm. the mistake that a lot of people make today. And then they think that all of these people either agree or disagree with me because I get likes or dislikes. But of course, people like Jason and there are 
some other media professionals that are trying to use this platform to really spread right. positive information. But for an average American social media user, it's hard for them to tell which one they should follow, which one they shouldn't, when they don't kind of have a ground on where things are based. So mm-hmm. coming here could be a very good chance to, for you to have a sort of leveled ground to judge what information is more close is closer to reality what is more of a personal tale to what's happening here. I want to point out, firstly, yes, I completely agree with Alex. Come to China. Come here, please. Spend more than a couple of weeks. Spend as long as you can. If you can spend a month, spend a month. <laughs> if you can live here for six months and work, live here for six months and work. Hey, email me. I'll help you find a job. No problem. But here's the thing. Like some of the really powerful influence, while I am critical of 24-hour media, mm. just like Alex, I'm also very critical of these social media platforms. Just because 24-hour media is inaccurate, it doesn't mean you can go on to these other kinds of social media and find more accurate information. It's just a different form of inaccurate information or a different form of inaccurate plus accurate information in tandem debating itself. And the thing about it is very oftentimes the most sensational video, the most sensational comments win. It doesn't mean it's the most accurate information. So there are a couple people that used to live in China. I don't want to slander them and say their names here, but they are they have hundreds of thousands of followers. And there are some people out there with really good ideas Hmm. and really accurate information who are trying to build bridges who have hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah. But these couple people I have in my mind, they say crazy things like, for example, there are no birds in China. Did you know this, Alex? Uh-huh. There are no birds in China. This video has 600,000 likes. Likes. Not even just views. What? It's like millions of views. 600,000 likes. People think there are no birds in China, except... Apparently in his video, he qualifies it that there are trained pigeons that will fly in circles upon command. That's it. All the other birds are gone, Alex. Did you know that? I should catch the bird that is right outside my window right now. I was going to say the same thing. I'm watching two birds in the distance flying around right now. Yeah, there are these wild birds that get so loud. I guess they should be in museums because we don't have them in China. Yeah. <laughs> what? When I first read this, I was in, it was Chinese New Year. I was in Yantai Shandong and I was like, what? I read someone else criticizing him and I was like, they can't be. So I checked this video. I was like, he really did say that. And this many people actually follow this guy. And so I was standing on the beach by the ocean in Yantai, Mm. looking out at literally, I don't know, a thousand birds like flying around, you know, like, uh, what are they called? The ones on the beach, they're everywhere and all over the world. There was like a thousand seagulls and I'm I just staring at them, thinking about what this guy said. And I'm just thinking, how can anyone believe this guy? Not that he, you do realize that birds migrate thousands of miles, right? You know, if there were no birds in China, that means there are no birds in Thailand, no birds in Japan, no birds in Mongolia, no birds in Myanmar, no birds in India. Uh. What are you talking about? How did anyone believe, how did, not only how did anyone believe him, why did so many people believe him? It is insane. And this is just one of the videos that this disinformation information maniac puts out there on social media that people believe. And it's frustrating because this is what people who are trying to spread positive messaging are up against this level of ignorance. Yeah. I remember I had a friend who was in China and then she went back to the States. She's a teacher. And she said, oh, it's kind of insane because my six-year-old kids in school asked me about my China experience. And the kids said, so it makes Alex, do they go to school on a wagon? <laughs> yes. In their mind, people still go on like horse on, on bandwagons. 
But they're, those are babies. Those are little kids. Those are tiny kids. And I don't blame them. But if you are an adult, what I wonder is the story that you're telling, the, not the story, the YouTube video saying there's no birds in China. What are people saying in the comments? Yeah, I don't think I could take reading comments. I was so like, you know, the term taken aback. I was almost having like an out-of-body experience trying to understand how this is something that people watch and believe. It was just, yeah, it's unbelievable. And literally, okay, but somehow people believe it. it's just shocking. If you can come to China, please come to China. We need help. Anyone who can come to China needs to come to China because this is what the world is up against. This is what we're fighting, this level of ignorance. But seriously, I know sometimes we sound like we're talking about this in a very light tone, but it's really because the level of ridiculousness <laughs> is almost incomprehensible. And someone who knows people who are willing to come to the side of the world who live here, you know, so many of them, but people like Jason and people like all of our friends living in China, enjoying their life, really building their career and even their family. It's always kind of baffling for me to see or hear things that are so far removed from reality here what china is and we say this i feel like jason i've said this for so many times but if you see something about china and it's really ridiculous i'm not gonna be here and say okay that's definitely not true maybe it's true in one tiny little apartment in somewhere in china out of the 1.5 billion people that we have but the majority of china if you see something that's ridiculous just give it a second thought and say to yourself that's probably not true for the majority of people in china or for most china the areas listening to The Bridge. Speaking of what Alex mentioned earlier about the solutions-oriented journalism, I love this term now. This is Jason's term. I've stolen it from you, by the way. There's an article here I wanted to share. It's from the Los Angeles Times. Mm. How one woman fought bigotry and helped change the way Asian-Americans see themselves by An Do. I, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. And it's the story of a lady named Helen mm. Zia. It's Z-I-A. I don't think this is a Chinese name. It's probably like uh, morphed uh, during migration and different, uh, you know. So it tells the story of this woman, let's say, how do you put this? With backbone, right? Mm. So she fought with her father so she could go to college and she ended up go graduating from Princeton. Oh, I'm jealous now. <laughs> <laughs> and she lobbied to start Asian American Students Association, and then a few years later demanded that Detroit handle the slaying of a Chinese-American man, Vincent Chin, as a hate crime. So she basically then Ugh. devoted her entire life to fighting for the Asian-American community. Mm. So when I mentioned earlier solutions-oriented journalism, I hope that people can take inspiration from this woman, Helen Zia, and mm. think, you know, we need more active people in America, not just anti-Asian hate. There's so many different kinds of problems where we need Americans to stand up and fight for justice in the African American community, in the Asian American community, among LGBT people right now is critical. Anti-war movements. There's so many things that people are anti, you know, climate change. We need people in America to stand up and fight to create a better America. This is what this woman, Helen, really stands for, is emblematic of mm. and is, you know, I hope they build statues for, of her later. <laughs> I think the big key here is that we can't only stop at the level 
of uh, emotional reactions. When I remember when the bill first came out, going back to you know bringing everything back to how we started the conversation today, mm. when the bill first came out saying that if you're of Chinese descent, even if you're naturalized, you'll be prohibited from buying property. And I've said that this probably makes a lot of Chinese Americans or Asian Americans feel very, very alienated living in the United States as a citizen. But for us to fight over it, it's not enough to just be angry about it or not even so much criticizing other people. Like, this is my personal feeling because I didn't grow up in America. I'm not really completely 100% acclimated to how, you know, movements are being done or whatever. When I see that problem, I don't really want to spend a lot of time discussing or kind of berating the other parties or who are causing these or who's kind of the one to blame and, mm-hmm. you know, yada, 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 a lot of things you could do. We could we could have that conversation. That's not really a conversation. That's like a one directional speech that everybody could make against this one target. But how constructive can you be in this movement, mm-hmm. especially if you're someone who comes from profound knowledge background? background who has Mm -hmm. skills that could help people fight these things, who could educate people and make them more aware of the rights they have and the things that either the government or other people can't just do to them because of legal reasons. Mm -hmm. Or if you have financial backgrounds so you could help people with their business so that they can grow and that they could win in this whole competition of the market. Those are the things helpful that are actually supportive for the community. And if you want to focus on this one cause, like the lady help with the legal knowledge and then like my friends group in california there are a couple of lawyers they got together and they've been going around the country to fight bills like this because they're amazing lawyers and they're winning right you know so focus on the solutions and focus on helping each other build up the community together the emotions we already share i think we already know and we're all going to like great when a community is put against situations like this, everybody in the community is going to feel whatever we're feeling. But don't just stop at that feeling. Like, you know, really help each other. How does that thing go? There's also paying it forward, which comes from a movie, which is just like helping people in your daily life as well. A lot of people have different causes that they are fighting for. Because I'm an American living in China and I have chosen to marry a Chinese lady, this became something that I feel passionate about. So I know a lot of other people are very passionate about causes to them. So those causes should, are probably the ones that they're going to work with. I have another article, and I think this might be what you meant, and you can tell me if I'm right or not, about solutions-oriented journalism. I think that's what this is. Mm. USAToday.com. This is new survey shows increase in anti-Asian hate discrimination. Here's how we can stop it. And it has some solutions that it offers for the Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, Pacific Islander Heritage Month is May, by the way. So that's past. But um, there are some solutions that they offer towards the bottom of the article after they uh, Mm. discuss the situation that we've already laid out many times on this show. And so one of those is bothering your leaders. Mm. And so in China, you can call your consultative member and ask them to represent you at the annual two sessions Mm. so that pressure on them to represent your ideas in your local community. Right. This is that you can do this in the United States, too. It's, you know, you either call email or send a letter to your congressperson and put pressure on them Mm. to defeat bills like the ones that are defeated in the Texas House and will likely be defeated in Florida. So if you see 
see laws being enacted that hurt minority communities like the uh, Asian American community, please put pressure on your local representative, on your local mayor, on your local city council to fight back. Alex pointed out lawyers. You know, most people aren't lawyers. You know, you work at McDonald's or something. Okay, what can you do? You can't make cheeseburgers to solve the problem, but you can use your voice. You do have a voice. You do have the ability to send an email or a letter or call your local congressperson and let them know that you think that some injustice is not okay and to put pressure on them to not enact bills which are discriminatory. So do so. Yeah, definitely. Don't let people, again, know your rights. Know that the government can't just say you're banned from doing this. <laughs> you're banned from buying property because you're coming from a different place, even though you probably know the history better than any American-born citizens because you have to study for that test, you know, the naturalization process. Yeah. So again, standing up for civil rights, know your rights. That's something that Alex mentions. I think that's really important. You know, and I think it's very important in San Francisco where a lot of people and Washington, D.C., where a lot of protesters deliberately try to get arrested. So, you know, if you're going to go that radical, then make sure you know what to do. So learn from people. And maybe you can also just join organizations online and get newsletters, be informed and help inform other people. Yeah, that's something that you can do. So you can join Stop AAPI Hate, go to their website and join them. Like just reading is actually something you can do. Mm. Just becoming more informed is something that you can do. If you see after you get more informed, if you see people behaving in a way which is hurting minority communities, you will have the tools that you need to help educate that person in the correct way. Exactly. And you'll probably have a better judgment of situations when you are, if you unfortunately get caught up in a situation like that, then you at least you're your own first line of defense. And also report anti-Asian discrimination and violence. It mentions that they need records of it to so that the you know leaders understand the scale of what is going on. Yeah, do report and then do help the, those ones that are in need. But also, again, like I said earlier, I want people to also be aware that you're seeing this because it's actually happening, not because it just started happening and it just so happened to be recorded and you see it. Right, right. Yeah. What they show you on the nightly news is a very small portion of the kind of stuff that is going on regularly. Any last ideas from Alex Schur on this not cheerful topic? Have faith in humanity, I still want to say. You know, I don't want people to get in on the discussion about Asian hate and seeing cases, seeing all of this media report and just lose faith in what people are. Like Jason, like you said, Jason, earlier, most of the American people are still very nice and they're very understanding, even if they don't understand your cultural background. There's no ill intentions. They're not going to attack you just because of that. So I want everyone to still have faith in what we could all be good to each other. And then at the same time, arm yourself with knowledge, arm yourself with resources so that you can help yourself and help each other. Thank you so much for your time, Alex. Thank you, listeners. If you want to add to the conversation, please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com and then please subscribe. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jason. See you, everybody. We'll be right back. 